Our reading today is from Nadia Bowles-Weber from Patrick's. During my early years of sobriety, I spent most Monday nights in a smoke-filled parish with some friends who were also sober alcoholics, drinking bad coffee. Pictures of the Virgin Mary looked down on us as prayer and despair and cigarette smoke and hope rose to the ceiling. We were a cranky bunch whose lives were in various states of repair. There was Candace, a suburban housewife who was high on heroin for her debutante ball. Stan, the depressive poet, self-deprecating and soulful, and Bob, the retired lawyer who had been sober since before Jesus was born, but for some reason still looked a little bit homeless. We talked about God and anger, resentment and forgiveness, all punctuated with profanity. We weren't a ship of fools so much as a rowboat of idiots. A little rowing team paddling furiously, sometimes for each other, sometimes for ourselves. And when one of us jumped ship, we'd all have to paddle harder. I am not the only one who sees the underside and God at the same time. There are lots of us, and we are at home in the biblical stories of antiheroes and people who just don't get it, beloved prostitutes and rough fishermen. It was here in the midst of my own community of underside dwellers that I couldn't help but begin to see the good news, that a life-changing reality is not far off. Well, good morning again, underside dwellers of the Unitarian Universalist Church of Lexington. (laughs) Anyway, here we are. Think back to the reading you just heard. Just a few moments ago, it should be fresh in our memories. Where did your mind take you? Were you in the smoke-filled room in the parish hall? Were you looking at the pictures and statues of Mary? Did you get stuck in the small yet paradoxically expansive snippets of the people's lives? The debutante ball gone wrong, the poet in the gutter, or the long, long road to recovery? Could you imagine the conversations in that room, the raw emotion of trying to figure out it, it being life? Or maybe you latched on to the seafaring metaphors, not a ship of fools, but a rowboat of idiots. Have you ever paddled in a boat only to spin in circles? I'm well known for that. Canoe, kayak, rowboat, round and round and round I go for at least half an hour. And even then, maybe you were alarmed at hearing about prostitutes and fishermen being anti-heroes, a term that can be used to shatter the pristine images of supermen and women and instead find heroes where the mold will never fit. I always find it interesting where people latch on with a poem, a quote, a story, and so on. What does each person hear? It's a simple question that opens up entire worlds to discover. Emotional, heartfelt, raw, and real. It often says more about the individual than anything else. And so again, think again. What did your mind latch onto? For me, my mind stays with the bad coffee. 
in the reading we just heard. That's where the entire scene comes together for me. It's an image that goes deep. I have had my share of that bad coffee smell. Whether it's memories from childhood, I think of waiting rooms or sitting along the perimeter of a room in perhaps a social security office or AA meeting halls, treatment centers for veterans, parish halls aplenty, or even car dealerships, or my first jobs. My first job was in a gas station, one of them, with a lot of bad coffee. There's something endearing about that smell of bad coffee. The smell betrays it. it. It lures you in. It doesn't smell all that bad unless it's been sitting there all day. Lump in some heaps of powdered creamer and there it is. Our memories are gateways to understanding. So what should we understand, you might wonder. I don't know. It's unique to you. Whatever you heard in that story. But go ahead and think back. Can you imagine yourself in this parish hall with all of those people and the, the swearing and the smoke and the coffee and the big questions about meaning, all wrapped up in the daily struggle to survive. Have you been there yourself, for yourself, or for someone else? A minor diversion here, but if you reacted to those images, that reading with some judgment about the people gathered there, first, take a deep breath as long as you don't bring that judgment into the world, then we can have a conversation about that. Stigma around recovery, mental health, that's a whole other topic, but a worthwhile topic, a needed topic. And I'm mindful that even a negative reaction is a good place to start. My hope, and though I digress, is for our future to be more open around recovery and mental health. But again, digression. The parish hall Reverend Boltz Weber describes to us is where she heard her call to ministry. Fast forward after that experience, she buried many of the people in that room, people she learned to love and know. And after seminary, she was a newly ordained Lutheran pastor or a pastrix, as she likes to say. And she founded a church called the House for All Sinners and Saints. I love that name. There is no explanation of who's a saint or a sinner. Sinner comes first. It's a house for all. But it also bucks the trend of naming a place after a specific saint wreathed in a halo. If you walked into the house for all sinners and saints on a Sunday morning, you'd find an experience that might take you back to that parish hall we just heard about. There likely wouldn't be bad coffee or too bad coffee or smoke in the air. But the people there would be a wonderful mess of diversity. Those in recovery, those figuring out what that word even means, those struggling with stigma and shame, those being open about their journey, bikers, punks, black, white, gay, straight, trans, goths, the indescribable, and yes, even suburban preppy types, academics, and so on. What happens next is interesting. The people choose a pew, a chair, a place, and the service begins. And with such a description of this house for all sinners and saints of the people that gather there every Sunday morning, you might expect death metal or some sort of brand of Jesus rock and roll or just rock and roll. No. What unfolds is an hour of traditional Lutheran liturgy with traditional hymns. That last bit makes my heart sing because it's not so much about tradition, but about sanctuary. The tried and true, while still, yes, needing to adapt and grow, can be a comforting embrace. 
just like sitting in a circle with cups of bad coffee. Reverend Boltz Weber writes about this experiment in creating the house for all sinners and saints in her books called Accidental Saints and Pastrix. She's rough around the edges and blunt, and I, I love it. Uh, she makes me wish all ministers could be that direct all the time, right? <laughs> I appreciate her experiment and what church can be. It goes to show that it's not just smoke machines and light shows and hands raised in the air that can transform spiritual communities. It can be turning the pages of an old liturgy and the sound of minor chords, too. Now, we all have our preferences, right? We just need to remember it is a both and always. Both old and new, traditional and modern, serious and absurd, both sinners and saints. It's that last bit that brings us to this morning. Boltzweber's books are intentional in the stories they tell because it's all about, in her words, finding God in all the wrong people. She is, of course, provoking a response from you. Who are the wrong people, you might wonder? If this Boltzweber believes in a loving God, how could anyone be wrong, right? Dig deeper and you'll see where she's going. Our culture in ways that our sociologists, some are members of this congregation, could describe far better than me. Is Our society is a bundle of expectations, taboos, mores, and so on and so on. I'm sure we could get lost in what exactly is a taboo or more in 2021, but I'll resist that temptation. But what I do know is that saying that a smoke-filled room of people feeling dejected and rejected and lost there's something not quite right about that, the dejection and rejection, which is why Boltzweber calls them all the wrong people. For her, it's not her understanding of a God that labels them as such, but other human beings. It's why the name of the church she founded isn't just a cute name. It is a complete theological statement. It is a house for all sinners and saints, but pause for a moment, right? It's a house for all of you sinners and saints. Two characteristics inherent in every human being. Now, Unitarian Universalists don't like the word sin, right? <laughs> don't worry, we're not talking about original sin. There's going to be no twisted version of Adam and Eve in the garden. No, this is about missing the mark in life. Of giving into temptations that do not affirm our lives, our worth and dignity or the lives of others, of being destructive for the sake of destruction, for evil even. It's funny, I've long resisted the idea that I could have within me the possibility of evil. But once I reconciled myself to that, I found myself being more open, vulnerable, willing to apologize and forgive. Maybe it's because I realized piety cannot save any of us, or maybe it's still a part of me that always wants to be good. That's my way of confronting it in some way. None of these questions are ever easy. When is the last time you heard a Unitarian Universalist call themselves a sinner? <laughs> Go ahead, think about it, right? I can't remember it ever. And that's loaded language, especially for those of you that have come to Unitarian Universalism from traditions that talk more about sin than love, hell than heaven, damnation than salvation. Now, don't worry, we're not going to have a prelude to a UU altar call this morning. 
There will be no public decorations of how you've sinned this morning, how you perhaps curse the world or yourself or those around you. No, everyone here right now already knows that we are all imperfect. And if you didn't, surprise. <laughs> but what about your sainthood? That's another question worth asking. If Unitarian Universalists have a problem with labeling people as sinners, what about saints? I don't really think there's much commentary on that. It'd be easy to just say, congratulations, you're a saint, and you're a saint, and you're a saint, the end, mission accomplished, let's go home and feel great about that. Well, most of you are already home. <laughs> but this is where I want to go deeper. The base definition of a saint is a person acknowledged as holy. That's great, right? I love the saints. Many of you know that I handed out saint medals to every participant in my ordination. I chose a saint that represented that person's life for presence in some way. And I adore them. I adore the rumors about them, the images, the histories and fables. But so too the absolute hot mess that many of the saints are. When you get into the details of saints in the Christian tradition or the great Zen masters in Buddhism or gurus in other Dharmic religions and so on and so forth, behind the quotes you find on those inspirational Facebook pages, people keep reposting and reposting and reposting, there is grit and dirt aplenty. You don't need to look far to find the sinner in every saint, to see their struggles, troubles, and even outright acts of destruction. And still, Moments of stunning wisdom. We're not just talking about St. Nicholas, as that season is coming upon us. St. Nicholas and his anger problem, especially when he punched the Bishop Arius in the face. Arius was a Unitarian during the Council of Nicaea. Where is the Christmas story and carol about that? Good old St. Nick. We're not even talking about the long list of Zen teachers and masters who had a problem with drinking too much sake always tipping over tables and throwing things around the zendo. We're talking names in recent memory, too. Gandhi, the great liberator and promulgator of nonviolent resistance, had bizarre celibacy tests that would cause us to pause before listening to him today. Dorothy Day, a beacon of feminism and social justice, called non-procreative sex demonic and praised Fidel Castro's regime. Martin Luther King Jr., a modern saint, if there ever was one, had problems with infidelity. Now, what I find disturbing is how in naming these things about these recent people of memory, that could be seen as either character assassination or complete discrediting of them. I get it. I think it's a defense mechanism that we have. We want to both protect and project our desires for a better world onto these icons of holiness. Which leads to a question. What if our definition of holy is completely wrong? What if it's not a shining figure with a halo on a mountaintop with choirs of angels and lions and lambs frolicking through the grasses, right? What if it's a smoke-filled parish hall with bad coffee and expletive-laden conversations about existence? What if it's always been that way? Gritty, imperfect, a contradiction of the paintings and songs and stories of sainthood. What if our calling as religious progressives is to nudge the world toward a more holistic understanding of the holy, 
of sainthood, one that includes all the missed marks of life. Now I realize in asking that question and everything else I've said this morning, it is only a matter of time before someone brings up human beings. They're all in the textbooks. We know who they are, who have exacted great evils on others. I'm not here to solve the problem of great evil this morning, at least not today. But what I do want to do is advocate that our goodness and our missed marks are not separate. It's not that you are embodying one or the other. You are always both and you are complete. Now, I believe in such a way of being. And in our case, in such a way of being religious. The smoke-filled parish hall with bad coffee is a beautiful place. The people right here that were here at 9.30 this morning that were masked and distanced in this sanctuary for the second week in a row is good enough. Those of you joining us online week after week faithfully for, oh my goodness, is it 21 months now? That is a glorious sight to behold. The struggle with mental health or addiction or what have you, whatever it is in your life, they are not vehicles of shame. The general malaise and irritability being felt by so many people right now, it's not that you are wrong or broken or messed up. It's that we're human, and our minds often make leaps and bounds ahead of our hearts. The rest of our bodies are playing catch-up to the new normal that's emerging. It becomes more than the words saint or sinner. If anything, the concepts merge to create something that feels new in Western religion. It sheds the dualism of good or bad. It feels new, but so very right and in the bones, too. There's a freedom in this. You can call it the divine or just the human spirit. Looking at the parts of our lives where we feel ashamed or broken, looking right at them, the other side of our humanity, what Reverend Boltz Weber calls the underside of God. I don't think it's ever easy, but it's worth it. When we look at the things we're told that make us broken, we often discover there never was a brokenness to begin with. That our imperfections make us wonderful. That if we want to change, we have the power to make that decision. And if we need help, we are not alone. As with anything, right? The realization of this is a dream. For right now, right here, what we can do is be a house for all sinners and saints a house for the fullness of our humanity, a mix of old and new, traditional and modern, wounded, healing, and healed. That is the hope. As we emerge slowly from this pandemic world, I don't want to go back to normal. I don't want us to pretend things are just fine. F-I-N-E, which in New England stands for frickin' insecure, neurotic, and exhausted. Fine, F-I-N-E. The sages and saints we talked about today, that we talk about today in this world, all you have to do is peel back just one layer, and there it is, imperfection, raw vulnerability, there for the world to see, oftentimes with no shame whatsoever. And we can learn from that. We can learn from those who embraced perfection and still knew they had it within themselves to pursue a world they dreamed of. It could very well begin with a cup of bad coffee or taking a leap of vulnerability 
And so what say you, house of all sinners and saints? May it be so. Amen.